This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, live every Monday on Money FM 89.3, where I host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm Adrian Abraham, and today I'm joined by The Straits Times sports correspondent, Tazali Abdulaziz, David Lee, the other Straits Times correspondent, is on the phone. And so is the sports broadcaster, Shazad Haq, as we discuss some of the biggest talking points in sports. First, we're going to start with the international football. And there's no better place to start than Tottenham against Leicester. Shazad, Shazali, David, welcome. How, how are we? Yeah, it's been a good uh, weekend of football. Not so much for our FPL teams as we were discussing uh, previously, but yeah. Exactly. And I think I will start with uh, Shazad being the Spurs fan on the panel. Shazad, back-to-back losses, an injury time uh, winner for Liverpool against Spurs, despite Mourinho saying the best team lost, actually. And then Liverpool have, um, you know, gone on and uh, we'll get to them a little bit later. But, you know, where has it gone wrong for Spurs in the last two games? Actually, I would say, Adrian, uh, it's been a bad week. Uh, If we go back uh, seven, eight days ago, Tottenham drew with Crystal Palace. And I think that's where the problem began uh, in, in the past week uh, with with the fact that they couldn't beat uh, a Palace side um, that we just saw Liverpool absolutely smash uh, seven goals past. You know, the fact that they have adopted this uh, low block that Jose Mourinho has been uh, employing for the last, uh, well, some people might say forever, but frankly, this season he's been using it more and more. Um, it worked well against sides like uh, Manchester City, uh, it was effective against Chelsea, and of course we saw what they did against Arsenal. But when you're playing teams like Crystal Palace and you sit back when the onus is really on, on a team with the talent that Tottenham have to go forward, um, they they allowed Palace to come at them and only started attacking again after, after conceding the equaliser. But against Liverpool, I actually have no problem with the way that they played. They took the game on. I think they, they were right in the way they approached that game. And, and in fact, the the Firmino header right at the end was off a set piece, not because they were sitting back. If they'd taken their chances, I think we'd have had a different result. Uh, and that's the shame. Expected goals was higher for Tottenham. They were, I won't say they were the better team. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think Jose Mourinho is a little bit of a, a sourpuss at the end of that. But they certainly had the best chances to take the game and they didn't, and they didn't do it. And I'm afraid yesterday against Leicester, they were... Devoid of ideas and creativity, it didn't help that Ndombele was taken off at half-time and then Gio Celso was, was injured, so your two creative midfielders were out of it. But um, I think Jose Mourinho has to take some of the blame yesterday because he, he didn't affect change in the right places and they paid the price. They, they didn't look like they were going to score, even if you added another hour to that game. Shazad, but the thing is, like Harry Kane loves playing against Leicester City. His, you know, his numbers against Leicester City are... They're, they're incredible, hence why I captained him on Fantasy Premier League. So when he blanked, I was upset, to say the least, because when I saw Salah, Bruno Fernandes, everyone else, you know, turn it up this week and Spurs. Mm. But also, you know, credit where it's due. Kasper Schmeichel pulled off some great saves. That one by uh, Son Heung-min on his near post. You know, Leicester City played um, like the Leicester City of old. It reminded me, you know, shades of when they won the Premier League. They've now gone second with this win, only behind Liverpool and ahead of um, 
you know, uh, of Manchester United. But, you know, the next sort of um, problem elsewhere in North London is Arsenal. Now, Cezali, we did focus on Arsenal and Mikel Arteta last week. They're only four points above the relegation zone. They drew against Southampton midweek. Now they've lost to Everton 2-1. Dominic Calvert-Lewin once again in the thick of it. You know, where where does Arsenal go, go from here? Because as Roy Keane said a few weeks ago, he, he believes they have enough to stay up. But now... <laughs> You know, four days to Christmas, it looks like they could be going yeah. down. I, I can't believe we're even talking about Arsenal and, and the possibility of being relegated, oh. which uh, Alan Shearer actually said uh, he, he believes that, that it's a possibility. You know, he's not ruling it out, right? But yeah, I think Ateta is, uh, is in serious trouble. I think the next couple of games, I think City and, and Chelsea, um, I, I can absolutely see him getting the sack after a loss against Chelsea. Um, I, I mean, if you look at their fixtures after the, the Chelsea game, the the fixtures are a bit kind, you know, to be honest, and and maybe uh, that could spark a revival. But having said that, you know, they had some winnable games, you know, in in, in the last few uh, in the in their last ten matches or so. Uh, Villa at home, Southampton at home, Leeds away, and you know they they, they won none of those games. So yeah, more salt in the wounds when Theo yeah. Walcott scored against Arsenal. Exactly no? against Southampton. Yeah, when when they played against Southampton. So yeah, I I don't think he's gonna last that long. Uh, un- unfortunately, so. Yeah, I think we'll say goodbye to, to Ateta sooner rather than later. Yeah, unfortunate. Now, David, as the Manchester United, as the other Manchester United fan on the panel, I'm going to rope you in 6-2 over Leeds. After a very, very long time, United got to play Leeds. And, you know, they came out all guns blazing. We were expecting goals, eight goals in total. Scotty McTominay, Bruno Fernandes, with, you know, both with braces. And as Roy Keane said, you know, Liverpool are playing incredibly well, but United are probably the best of the rest. Do you agree with his statement? Um, first of all, I must say it's a relief, you know, to, to, to see them take the lead and go on to win, especially at home where they've had uh, so much trouble trying to buy a win uh, in recent years. I would like to console or encourage Shazad as well. You know, we lost to Crystal Palace first game of the season and look where we are now. So We also lost to Tottenham so, 6-1, right? Right, so, yeah. <laughs> so you know, yeah, but, uh, it, it's a it's a relief, and and you know, before the game, you know, Michael Owen was saying you you'll never win a, a game with with uh, McTominay, Fred, and James, and it, it's good to see him in his words, you know. Um, I mean, then again, you know, it's Leeds, you know, it's not one of the the bigger teams, so um, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we we are we are flying high. I I I don't know how we are we we are in the position we are. I think it's a mirage, so. A few early days, man. <laughs> Shazad, what do you think of uh, United's uh, stellar performance? Actually, it was against Leeds, but Leeds haven't played all too bad. In fact, they drew with Man City, Arsenal. I'm not really going to talk about them because, you know, they are a lost cause right now. But, you know, do you see a resurgence in this United squad, given the fact that, you know, now they're out of Europe, they can, of course, focus on the league. Could they potentially challenge? Now, I'm not going to, uh, I don't want to speak too soon, but... Could they really challenge for the title this season? Well, okay. First of all, they're not completely out of Europe, right? They've still got Europa League. The Champions League. I think it's the yeah, only yeah. European competition that actually no, matters. No, 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 no. There, there are other very big competitions I've had. So, but <laughs> seriously, um, look, I think David was right. And, and he really does sound like a, a, a very typical jaded Manchester United fan this season. That you just don't want to get too excited because... Uh, I don't want to take anything away from a very good result, but this is a, a Leeds team 
that is determined 100%, 150%, in fact, to keep attacking till the bitter end, right? They're open. Uh, you know what you're going to get against them, and they will give you opportunities. Any, time, any side that allows Scott McTominay to score two goals certainly uh, has the ability to be opened up. I think up, it was in the right? first three minutes as well, wasn't it? He created history. But, but that, he, he did create history. <laughs> I mean, very well done to him. But, uh, you know, uh, again, this is Leeds and Bielsa. Uh, this is what they do, right? This is what Bielsa does. He will be relentless in his attacking notions and... It does leave them very much exposed. Uh, and, and I don't think, you know, I think United, as good as they've been, I think they've taken 19 out of 21, if I'm not mistaken, right? Six wins and a draw in their last seven. So it is really good for them. But I think, uh, as has been mentioned, it's against the, 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 the bigger clubs that they really need to start nicking results. And, and, and if, it, if it means grinding it out, grind it out. Shizat, just a sidetrack here. I think you're being very unfair to McTominay. Uh, I think he's... <laughs> I think, honestly, honestly, I think his shooting ability is massively underrated. He was actually a striker. Yeah, yeah no. He I was, was actually was, a striker. Yeah, one of yeah. my friends texted me that last night. So, but, but you know, I, I, his technique uh, at striking the ball is, is superb and, and it's mm-hmm. really underrated. I mean, if you, if you remember the, the goal he scored against City, you know, that's, yep. you know, that's the position he has in his locker. And I saw it firsthand when... Uh, United came down to Singapore for the International Champions Cup uh, last year uh, yeah. and we, we had a training session and I, I was you know filming bits of the training session and, and at the end he was the only one staying behind practicing long range shots and, and he had five balls and he aimed for the bottom corner and all five zipped right in and I'm like thinking wow this guy actually I mean obviously they're professional players but this guy has actually really really good shooting skills clinical finisher I must say now Liverpool of course seven goals they put past Crystal Palace, the same Crystal Palace as David mentioned, had, you know, beaten Manchester United. They drew with Spurs and Mohamed Salah came off the bench as well. Liverpool now, you know, really doing absolute bits at the top of the table. Do you feel that, you know, they could, is there anyone else who could really challenge them besides, you know, the likes of United? Because City, you know, unconvincing once again, just a 1-0 win over Southampton, they, they drew against West Brom, a West Brom side that have now lost their manager as well. Shazad, are Liverpool still the main contenders for the league this season? Well, I think the table isn't lying on, on that front, right? They are, they are the main contenders. But I think we should also, if we look back to how far ahead they were uh, a year ago compared to now, it's, it's obviously much tighter. I, I think we need, to be much, we need to be careful as well. We're only you know, uh, a third of the way through the season. There's a long, long way to go. Liverpool are not at their best. Yes, they won 7-0, but they're not at their best at the moment, particularly at the back. The, the, the fact of the matter is that the other clubs haven't been able to exploit that. Or, 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 and you saw, again, a, a Tottenham, a very defensive Tottenham with only 19 touches uh, inside and around the area, managed to almost managed to score with three very good opportunities. So what I'm trying to say is, I think this season is far from over. Yes, they are the, 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 the you know in pole position, uh, and they are going to be the ones to beat. But I think there are a few teams out there that, that can still pose a threat. And look, if United win their game in hand, I think they're only two points behind. Yes, and now you know we're at the halfway point of our podcast, where Shazad will uh, be leaving us, and David and Sazali will join me to discuss more local sport. If you like the Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast, you can listen live on Money FM 89.3 every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
and like us and give us a rating. You know, breaking or breakdancing, as known to many, was given a huge boost earlier this month when the International Olympic Committee included them alongside surfing, skateboarding and sports climbing to be included at the Olympics in Paris in 2024. Now, David, you wrote a feature on what this means for the local breaking scene. So can you tell us more? What is the breaking scene in Singapore like today? Well, I think the, the older folks will, will remember breaking the breaking scene in the 1980s, but I think breaking has come a long way since it was associated with delinquency in Singapore back then. In recent years, you know, before uh, the coronavirus outbreak, Singapore had a vibrant breaking scene, and I'm sure you have seen breakers practicing or, or performing at public spaces like the Esplanade, uh, Basement, Scape, and even Changi Airport. Um, last year, there were competitions uh, organized uh, as often as once a week, you know, by dance studios, school clubs, uh, with about 60 to 80 participants in, on average. Uh, the annual Scape Medical Force Jam also grew from a turnout of 200 in 20, uh, 2008 to more than 10,000 over 40 countries last year. Uh, the estimates are that about 20 to 30 crews, uh, or about 1,000 breakers here, with about 100 of them competitive. Um, Breaking's inclusion in Paris 24 means it now has an unprecedented platform to showcase itself to the world. As viewership figures for the previous Olympics in Rio was 3.6 billion. Naturally, this will create more awareness and hopefully bring about more opportunities, funding and support for breaking both globally and in Singapore. Now, how possible is it that we could see a Singaporean breaking you know, at the Olympics in 2024? Um, as with any sport, never say never, right? Like, you know, United might win, win the title this season. But, you know, the Asian powerhouses are Japan and South Korea. And, of course, our talent pool is small with, like I mentioned, at most 100 competitive breakers at the moment. But that doesn't mean we don't have the talent. You know, 24-year-old Jeremy Sim won a bronze medal at last year's SEA Games. And besides, breaking is a sport, is a subjective sport in the sense that it's judged by a panel so the crucial thing now is to wait for the IOC and the World Dance Sport Federation to work out the continental quotas and qualification system so there is something to work towards. As of now, all we know is there will be 16 male and 16 female breakers competing at Paris 2024. Now, while this sounds great, what are your opinions on a sport like breaking, you know, which some people don't even consider a sport being an Olympic event? Right. Um, you know, personally, I'm on the fence on this one, but... No, well, we have, we have discussed chess and esports on this show before, so I guess anything goes. And if you're a fan of uh, or, or the International Federation of Squash and, and Bowling, which had tried so hard but failed to get into the Olympics, I can see and understand the reasons to, to feel aggrieved. But one man's meat is another man's poison. You know, over the years, uh, driving cars very fast has been classified as a sport, as we now accept and embrace Formula One. Gymnastics has been an Olympic sport since the start of the Summer Olympics in 1896. 18 gymnastic gold medals were awarded at Rio 2016, including two for trampoline. Now, we must remember that the Olympics has never been afraid to try new sports. And with the IOC moving towards a direction that's more gender balanced, more youthful and more urban, breaking fits that bill. Uh, and when you watch the breakers do a handstand freeze or spin on the head, you will appreciate it takes a huge amount of physical strength, endurance, and athleticism. 
plus the the, the battles are pretty entertaining too. I'm sure you agree. So these have got to count for something. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I, I'm. Uh I'm willing to give it a shot, uh, you know, uh, uh, and accept it as a sport. But, but you know, a, a huge chunk of me is still, um, you know, a, a traditionalist at heart. You know, I, I, I look at sport and I think, uh, you know, the strongest, the fastest, you know, the, the person who can jump the highest, that's that's what you consider sport. But, you know, as David mentioned, you know, we, we um, it's it's evolving. The, the, the definition of what sport is, is evolving. Uh, he mentioned e-sport, chess. Um, and In the IOC are also trying to, you know, they've realized that their viewership, particularly with the precisely. views, have gone down. Yeah. So I think this is a way of them to say. Yeah, you know, refreshing, what, exactly. you know, the, it's, itself and, and, and the product. And yeah, like, like you know, it, it requires a, an evolution of, of what the definition is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's only right to, to move with the times and, and every um, different sport, whatever you want to call it, you know, comes with different challenges. So, yeah, it's fair enough. Now, David, finally, you also spoke to Singaporean darts player Paul Lim after he stunned world number 34 at the PDC World Championship in London. Can you tell us more about his achievement and what he said? So, so he said darts should be in the Olympics too. <laughs> Not serious, but I digress. So let's just pause for a moment to appreciate the man who is 66 years old and shows up year after year to beat established darters less than half his age. You know, in, in major tournaments, he delivers more first-round shocks than a jellyfish man. And it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. So in recent years, he has teamed up with Harris Lim, a fellow Singaporean, in the World Cup of Darts to meet to beat famous players like Scotland's Peter Wright and Gary Anderson, Wales' Gerwin Price. You know, these people are in the top 10 darters in the world. It was even once when Paul Lim beat the reigning world champion England's Rob Cross. And did I tell you he's 66. So in the World Championship, he's taken out a former world champion, Mark Webster, before. And this year, he came from 2-0 down to beat former world youth champion Luke Humphries 3-2. And you mentioned his world number 34. He was absolutely buzzing when I spoke to him. Uh, I don't know if you have tried clean darts before, but you know the doubles and treble segments, which are so important, uh, they are smaller than the, than the length and the width of, of your pinky. And players have to accurately hit the spot from 2.4 meters away. Now, Paul's match took about an hour. You know, he came back from 2 down. So you can imagine the physical and mental exertion. Did I tell you he's 66? And he still trains five to six hours a day. You know, the man's an absolute legend, and he will face another world youth champion in Belgium's uh, Dimitri Vandenberg in the next round late Tuesday night, and we wish him all the best. Well, there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Now, don't forget you can catch SD's hashtag Game of Two Halves podcast on demand on the audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. As Ali, David, and Shazad, thank you so much for joining me on this segment and hope to see you soon. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.